It's called dialogues, but there's no words. I thought of it as a reverse ekphrastic. I had clear visions of a one-sided conversation because I find myself in them sometimes. <laughs> or maybe I'm like maybe I'm the person making someone have a one-sided conversation because I'm not really listening anymore. Or I've checked out or I'm making my grocery list in my head. So I made it and my composer that I work with, I asked her to give me no discernible words, just sounds, but that I could pretend people were having a conversation. I have clear dialogue in my head about what's going on, but I'm always curious if it's anywhere near what other people are taking in because sometimes people will say things and I'm like, that's amazing. I was not even that deep. Like it was really not that heavy or they'll come up with something like I had no idea. It's rare that someone is spot on with what was in my head, which I don't know if that speaks more to me or, or the viewer, but. Well, I think this is going to be a wonderful conversation. So hello and welcome to, welcome to Arts In AI, the podcast produced by Creative Pinellas. I'm Barbara St. Clair, your host, and I am here with Helen French, Helen Hansen French. You can do either one, it's fine. <laughs> who is a dancer and a choreographer and a collaborator. When I think about the dancers that I always recognize their work, obviously Twyla Tharp comes mm -hmm. to mind, and Martha Graham and mm -hmm. Sarah Rudner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, there was something that very specifically was who they were as an artist. And I think a lot of times you associate that with visual artists and certainly mm -hmm, mm -hmm. writers have a voice and I've seen a lot of dance where I didn't feel that. Whenever I see you dance, I know it's Helen Hansen French. There's something <laughs> about you as a dancer that is so sort of branded as, as yourself. Hmm. And I wondered what that was. Hmm. <laughs> The first thing that popped into my head, which is somewhat of a joke, is old age. I've been doing certain things. Um, the techniques I was trained in are second nature to me. So for better or worse, I'll answer a choreographic challenge in a stylized way so that maybe that's the way I might choose to answer a question that's a choreographic question or an artistic question. I also wonder if there's an element that Something that's really important to me as a performer and as an artist is my ability to have an ongoing conversation with the viewer. And if there's no viewer, I've seen videos of me in a studio where I videoed myself and I have to pretend there's someone watching me and, and have a conversation with a clear person, whether it's a friend, whether it's a uh, my husband or my mother. It kind of depends on what mindset I want to be and who I choose to, to talk to. But I almost never walk on stage without immediately trying to talk to someone without speaking. Like I, I approach the work from that angle. And so I think that's why I'm drawn to dramatic or theatrical works that have character explorations involved, which might account for this idea of like, that's a Helen Hansen French style or move. I also have a very kind of specific background in the types of dance I've studied very rigorously. So from classical ballet, which is very stylized, like people, I think this is so flattering, think I'm a classical ballerina and I'm like, no, 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 that ship has sailed. <laughs> but it's, but I see what they see about, oh, that's posture or it's, there's something. So I wonder if there's a little bit of that in, in, in what you allude to. 
I, yeah, I, I haven't, I didn't think of myself as having like a, a market, like that's, that's a Helen move. But now that I reflect on it, yeah. I, I can see how that would come out. And I, I just wonder if it has to be because my approach is, is the same and my process is really personal no matter the level of work I'm doing. So like I don't say I'm, I'm going to reserve my really authentically deep and thorough investigation of a work just because it's a three-minute thing that's only going to ever be done once versus something that's a 25-minute masterwork that I would do 10 times in my career. Like I never approach something as like, well, that's just for this. It's never, It's I won't take a this job necessarily. And that's old age. <laughs> had the luxury of training with people who really held me accountable to a high level of artistry, but also encouraged the development of my individual voice at the same time. When you think of a ballet company, there's corps de ballet dancers, and you're supposed to fit in to a line of 15. You shouldn't, you, you're, if you do your job really well, the whole group looks amazing. And in order to do that, they all have to have a very high level of technical and artistic ability, but they also have to have a, uh, an amount of um, sameness, which is not a bad thing, it just is a thing. And I was always encouraged to find where I'm not the same, where I'm me. And certainly in my college years, I don't, and this was shocking when I got out of college, Juilliard did not prepare me to be an ensemble dancer. I am capable of dancing in an ensemble and find it really challenging and very fun. But but I was always, everyone that went there was told or encouraged, I feel, to be a soloist. Like, which means you have to do the work to get the individual voice. And part of that is going to be the physical practice and part of that is going to be the emotional practice, the the digging deeper, the just what my personal process might be. And wow, I'm really flattered that there's a, that someone would see like, like an artist you recognize, I can tell you're a Jackson Pollock anywhere, you know, that, that I would have something like that. Wow. That's a very flattering question. Thank you. You are here in Pinellas County, mm-hmm. and I've been really glad to have. <laughs> we have some just amazing dancers and choreographers mm-hmm. here in Pinellas County, and for me, that adds to the quality of life. And well, I'm a product of, of Pinellas County. I went to Pinellas County Center for the Arts. All of my dance training came from St. Petersburg. Like I went away for the summers and was encouraged to, but I also had very really good teachers here and I was surrounded by I think everything goes in waves and so I think I maybe was born at this like correct time or something where I was surrounded by older artists that I looked up to as far as dancers and there were younger ones that looked up to us and so I feel like there's a responsibility when you have someone someone younger than you watching you and then when I'm looking up at you know the people that were ahead of me but I came from here. Like to me, I think one of the exciting things about being back here is that there, I'm there are more of me's out there. <laughs> there are other artists that came from here that are like, oh, can we come back? Is there, you know, what's going on? So, yeah, Pinellas County should be proud. They've got a lot of. T- 
talents going on here. So you went to dance studios here mm-hmm. and went to the performing arts high school? I did. I trained. My early training was with Judith Lee Johnson, who is now retired. But this is my favorite story. Is my aunt trained with her. And my aunt's name was Helen. And my grandfather cleaned the dance studio. My mom tells the story of my aunt getting on my mother's shoulders to look into the window and then realizing she wanted to take dance. And then my grandfather saying, could I supplement, you know, tuition payments by cleaning the bathrooms and things like that. And fast forward a bunch of years and I went to kindergarten and wanted to take dance. And my mom said, I only know one lady and I don't even know if she's still around. And she was, and my mom put me in classes there, but never said, oh my, you know, that had been years. And um, Judy recognized me, but was like, why do I know that young girl? And because I look so much like my aunt. Oh, wow. And so, um... I kept training with Judy. I was taking classes every day, and it was really expensive, and my parents had gotten a divorce, and finances were tight, and I was at PCCA, and I was also taking classes with Suzanne Pomerantzeff, and it was just a lot to make ends meet, and Judy had said, well, you know, your grandfather has already paid the bill with his cleaning of the studio. I mean, that's the kind of, but I say that story because Judy is so generous, but that's the, those are the examples I had, that type of generosity, but also for me, it meant a lot. And I didn't even know that story until I was in college. My mom never told me. But that's what this area has, these little pockets of these amazing people doing these generous things that help the arts keep growing. And that sets the tone for that set the tone for my whole career. Like, when you think about it, if I hadn't kept going, maybe I wouldn't have gotten into Juilliard. Maybe I wouldn't have, you know, maybe I wouldn't have had the courage to audition or to... Or the ignorance to be like, I'm going to go do this <laughs> anyway. Right, right. So it's, it is a blessing that I grew up here. Then you went to Juilliard, uh-huh. which is quite an achievement in itself. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was it, some of the best years of my life. The hardest. I think anyone between 18 and 22 thinks their life is really hard. <laughs> so um, some of the hardest, but those lessons still... I, still hear some things my teachers say to me. I still approach my work in similar ways, maybe with more maturity layered into it. But And then you were a professional dancer for quite some time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you still are a professional dancer, <laughs> a, a, a long resume of achievements. Thank you. When I first graduated school, I really thought I wanted to be in the Limon Dance Company. I was in love with the movement and the story and the not gentleness but the arc and the sinuous that like of the movement and so I, I auditioned and I auditioned and I auditioned and I got pretty far and I <laughs> thought I would get a job eventually and I didn't my first year out I was only out of school for like three or four months but it felt like eternity to not have a dance job uh, I didn't get into Lamone and I was devastated and I, ha- I still have the card my mom sent me that said the right thing will come when it's supposed to come. Like, this is okay. Like, you didn't fail. You didn't lose four years of training by not getting a job immediately. And um, Jacqueline Buglisi of Buglisi Dance Theater called me and said, I'm really hoping, she worded it kind of funny, but it was kind of like, I'm hoping you don't have a job, but you're so, but I think you do kind of. And, but if you don't, would you dance with me? And I was like, are you kidding? These people are amazing. So I started dancing with Buglisi Dance Theater and at the time, it was called Buglisi Foreman Dance, and it went through a change five or six years into my time with them. And I got to dance alongside of Therese Caposili, Jacqueline Buglisi, Donlin Foreman, Christine Dakin, 
Virginia Messine, people who I had trained with in school and now were my colleagues, which was totally terrifying on mm. many levels. <laughs> Stephen Peer was one of my earlier partners and, and just the generosity that they all exuded to younger dancers was amazing to me. So at the same time I was working with Buglisi, I was an apprentice, so I had not a lot of pay, but also not the first to do everything. So I had some time and I would pick up gigs here and there. And I worked with a woman named Pat Catterson, who I think has done like 200 and something ballets. And she's from the vein of dance, uh, like the Sarah Rudner style, Merce Cunningham in that. So I was doing two totally opposite types, Mm. which was really fun and helped me find my own voice, Mm -hmm. like where I might fit authentically. I did a couple of things with Pam Tanowitz and Brian Reeder for the Guggenheim Works in Process. And that was really fun. Maybe not the right style for me, but also really fun projects to do. And I worked with photographers and I really did a lot when I was younger to see what my voice was, but it was clear that the Graham style or Graham technique and Jackie's style really spoke to me. And I think when you work alongside a choreographer who's developing a body of work as intensely as Jacqueline was at the time, you start to see how process unfolds and you you dig in really deep. And I had a lot of time to read books on like characters that I wanted to portray or research a subject I didn't know about so I could bring that to a work and Jackie encouraged that she also had a huge generosity of like this huge spirit to just bring out the best in people she'd always tell us like we are divine normals to illuminate ourselves Mm -hmm. and when you when you when someone believes in you that way you start to not only believe them, but to feel the weight of what that might mean and, and how do you best illuminate your artistry or, and, and make her artistry shine by your work, in her work. What's so interesting to me about this conversation is the intellect you bring to the process. Mm. Dance is obviously about the body and space and physicality and light. Clearly it's about thought and storytelling and all of the problem solving. <laughs> there was a, a piece that Jacqueline Uglisi has, and it's called Suspended Women, and it, it opens with a line of 13 women hung over, and we all look up at the same moment, and we cannot be the same person. Like, you have got to be your woman in time looking forward at the audience, and everyone has to just capture that moment and in the course of the span of the life of the ballet when I was in the company I went from this young character like almost like a a young girl whose city is ravaged by war I mean I built a whole story in my head and she's running from she's too young to know the dangers she's running from but she knows she has to run but she doesn't know where she's going to the woman who has lived through it all and is kind of the, the mother of all of them and kind of keeps asking them to come back to the fold. And, and so I was lucky enough to, in the span of my career, do a few different parts in that same ballet mm. and have to grow as I grew. But so yeah, I do spend a lot of time thinking about what, what the character is for me. That was a pivotal point in my career because I 
got married and my husband got stationed in DC and so I started working with Karen Reedy who was a is a solo choreographer and we're closer in age and she's a little older than I am and she was making work and her work is really different than Jacqueline's she has time with Mark Morris and she's very rhythmical and very it's just a different style mm-hmm. a different type of athleticism there's I still did the same kind of character in my head but it wasn't Karen doesn't work that way necessarily so her process was different and that really opened up doors for me just in how I approached the work myself and and it was fun to kind of figure that out and being a newlywed was really fun too while I was trying to work that out and then I had a baby the first Mm -hmm. one (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then I found myself being asked to restage some of Jacqueline's work in different places and that became an interest of mine to pass her work along to professionals or other schools. And I never thought I, I don't consider myself necessarily a choreographer. I think that that title itself is a whole, I think it might be an equivalent of saying like, oh, well, you're a painter, so you can also do charcoals or like you paint, but maybe you could sculpt. And I can, I, I craft dancing, but the craft of choreography is a separate separate mm-hmm. thing. So I started to kind of start to dabble in choreography and what my voice might be. And I think I'm still in a young place with that for me artistically. Like I certainly crave people telling me what steps to do <laughs> instead of me making up the steps. Right. But I enjoy trying to figure out what it is I have to say choreographically and in space. The sense I have of you as a choreographer is choreographer slash collaborator. Yeah, I definitely think that's a good way to look at it. Where I often see you really reaching out is in collaboration with other art forms and Mm -hmm. bringing the dance pieces that you choreograph, or I might even say the dance pieces that you design. I I like designing a moment or design, like, I have this dream of doing some type of installation that involves movement and dance very specifically, but manipulating all of the what the audience sees like that design element i certainly spoken word i like the cadence of words i like the meaning of words i like why people choose words that and visual art i like the i feel like there's a conversation happening between me and the other piece of art or the other artist and that i can connect to that i can plug into and then i'm not worried about the steps you know one thing that struck me you were talking about character and you created a backstory for your character and you have have worked and are also teeing up a new project with sheila cowley who is a playwright in (laughs) in in the st pete area in pinellas county and in full transparency, is also the producer of these podcasts. So I was sitting in the room, but you worked with her on a play called Trio. Mm-hmm. And then you are also working with her on a commission for the Gasp Fringe Festival. Mm-hmm. You and Sheila and I believe Paula Kramer. Mm-hmm. And Paula was involved in Trio too, so. Sheila has a, an amazing way of working with characters and creating characters who would, let's say, be either further uh, revealed through movement and through dance or mm-hmm. tricked into revealing something <laughs> through dance or... In Trio, I think that that process was so intriguing because I got to watch the script get edited. I think, I don't know, was it four or five versions that I saw? I don't know how many Sheila had before they got passed down to us. So I got to see a writer evolve 
multiple characters while simultaneously trying to develop what the dance might be. And that kind of blew my mind. I remember once I had to be one of the characters because the actor couldn't be there. And I've never read a script before. So I was like, oh. And that saying the words that one night informed many choices that I would make later mm-hmm. or not make that I didn't realize until reflecting upon that process. I, I, I think if I sat down that night and said, I'm going to read the script out loud and physically put the words in my mouth, then I'm going to be a better performer at the end of Trio. But I didn't make that connection, oddly enough, until I reflected on the whole process and was like, wow, that was really cool. And working with actors reminds me of like how much work I still need to do to make those characters come to life. Like those three actors, Derek, Chris, and, and Becca, were are just fantastic. And they were doing a staged reading. So really, like the dancers are like giving it their all. And these guys are like... They're not. They're doing what seventy five percent of what they're allowed to do because it's a staged reading. So they're not. They don't have all the trappings of all the costumes and and all of that. And Paula gave us physical ideas and cues and choreography. And so I really got to take a place where I was interpreting, and I felt like a double interpreter. Like this is happening. This is happening. This is happening. And I'm in the middle of these because Elizabeth Brinkler was directing it and. It was really fun. Uh, Crystal and Sean were great to work with. Um, the other dancers. The other dancers. They just, I always appreciate when the whole cast buys in on the same level. And sometimes you don't get that. Sometimes I've done plenty of things that are jobs, but sometimes you get a buy-in where all six, in this particular case, of people on stage bought in at, like, the high mark. Right. And they all brought their A game. And when everyone else brings their A game, you cannot show up with your C game. You have to bring your A game. Right. So we keep elevating it. And then that process was really interesting with Trio. And then with Gas, with four separate scripts that Sheila's working on. But already we sat down and put them in an order. And we I, I see space. So I was like, it should be at the top of the hill. It should be at the bottom of the hill. Or it should be over here. It's inside. It's outside. It's nighttime. It's daytime. I think... If all goes well, we'll have a lot of dancing by everyone involved, including the actors. It's a science theme, but it's earth, air, fire, and water. But there are real people stories going on. So maybe you're a frustrated scientist stuck in traffic. And like, what does that look like movement-wise? And what does that sound like? And and just stuck in traffic in general is terrible. And so how are we going to make that exciting and, and scientific at the same time? They all make sense in science terms, but they all have a real human connectedness to them, which I think is something that Sheila does beautifully, is to put the inner landscape of a character and reveal it in such a way that the audience is going on the ride. And so, there, like you said, there might be a big reveal or the character is fully revealed at the end, but the audience is fully revealed to themselves at the end too, which is an interesting process to be like it's not like watching a play you're involved in it Mm -hmm. and so I don't know two and a half minutes for each of these little there's four so it'd be what two and a half to three minutes for each thing that's a very quick time to get your audience to buy in and to reveal so I don't know what will happen I'm curious to see how those words come to life it should be fun though (laughs) 
Creative Pinellas came up with this thought process that there's so much good art that happens in specific pockets of Pinellas County. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be nice to bring some of that art to other parts of the county? So a group of collaborators of which you're part of, mm -hmm. and um, Elizabeth Baker from the New Music Conflagration is part of, and Andy Sunscott responded to that request, taking a project you've done in St. Pete mm -hmm. called Our Town and revising it to be our trail and mm -hmm. putting it in three locations on the Pinellas Trail. Our trail grew out of our town, an initiative brainstorm dance idea that Andy Scott had last year, which was a tour of seven different sites in downtown St. Petersburg. It was a walking dance tour. And so she made these really these programs that were maps on fans. And we started at the shuffleboard courts. We went to the Mirror Lake Library, walked to face the jury, the public art installation with the red chairs, then to the open air post office, the Snell Arcade cycle brewery and then mural alley and that walking tour gathered people because they were like where's this mob of people walking down the street what's going on and then all of a sudden dancing would start happening and so that that's what our town was and it grew into our trail and so andy's idea to expand it to the pinellas trail i think is brilliant and the minute she suggested i was like i'm sign me up i will dance i will choreograph i will offer administrative support because what Creative Pinellas set to do was to stretch audiences and to give exposure by physically stretching where we'd have to go. I think after every show, Andy and I have high-fived and been like, we brought dance to the people. Like, there's just this moment of like, wow, they got to see dance and they didn't go into a theater. And we got to experience our craft in an, a way in our county, in our cities, in a way that we wouldn't normally get to. And in and of itself, that's just a beautiful experience. The fact that we get to perform the same work multiple times is also really lovely because sometimes you do it and it's like, I did it one time and that's it. And are you ever going to revisit it? So as an artist, that's fulfilling. My piece in particular called Dialogues, the process itself has also stretched me as a choreographer because I not only didn't know anyone I was working with, but I had an idea and I didn't know if it would work. I didn't know if the piece I would create would resonate, if it would translate from site to site. And now, ironically, we've talked about, well, what if we were to put it on stage? Would it translate to a more traditional proscenium main stage setting? And how would I, what would I have to do to make that work? And mm -hmm. how would that happen? And just the whole process alone as an artist, the grant the monies that we were given to do this project i think out even outstretched themselves it was to me more more than just i got this fee to be a choreographer i also problem solved and had to challenge myself and it, it just was a great experience in general and i think there were 16 artists or so participating in that I, yeah let me see i have my sixth of us mm -hmm. And Elizabeth Baker is my conductor mm -hmm. because there's three vocalists and they don't stand next to each other at every site. So someone has to be the person oh, saying, wow, yeah. come in or drop out. So I always have a conductor. So I'd have seven in my piece. Kelly Harmon's piece has three and then her music. So that would be four. And Andy, I think Andy has a cast of seven. And she is working with a Mike Alexis, who's a composer and a sings, raps, talks about St. Petersburg and it's, it's the me. I love hearing it because it, it's so joyful, but it's it's our town. It's our city. Yeah. It's our county. And he's worked these words and ideas about our county into it.
you have a project called Beacon. Mm-hmm. So Beacon is, I have a co-producer with Beacon too. Her name is Lauren Sloan. And the history of how Beacon got started is Lauren and I grew up here. We came back to adjudicate something at USF three years ago. And we hit it off and we were like, we need to produce a series. We need to why not produce a dance series? I don't know what we were thinking. <laughs> we were, were like year three. And one of the things that we feel strongly that she and I both, the mission of Beacon is to offer opportunities for professional dancers to put their work on the main stage or a main stage, but also to educate the community about what professional dance can be. What is that experience like? What is going to the theater like? How do we, and how do we do that? So the field of dance nationally is huge. There's so many different pockets and styles and you've, it's almost mind blowing what, what we could see. But Lauren and I really wanted to focus on St. Petersburg, Tampa Bay area artists and give them opportunities. So the first year we started out with who we knew. I premiered a work that I made with a grant from St. Pete Arts Alliance and the City of St. Pete's Cultural Affairs Department. And I, it was my movement love letter to St. Petersburg. And I collaborated with Jan Newberger and Roxanne Fay and Paula Kramer. And Eric Hack was my set designer and Jillian Bertrand was my costume designer. And, and that was great. Um, Kelly Harmon had newly started Rogue Dance and she premiered something of her companies there. And then we had uh, Michael Foley, who's a St. Pete like a steady rock of modern dance here and teaches at USF and he brought his Joan onto that program. And then Lauren Sloan premiered a new work and we really wanted to show that dance can bring the community together. We wanted it to be more than once a year, but I'll tell you, we made this joke yesterday. If anyone knew how much work it takes to put on one show, one night, once a year, they would think we'd lost our minds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but it's important. It's important for the experience, and I don't know, I think when you have a co-producer like Lauren, we play well off of each other, and we don't have the same strengths. If I don't know something, Lauren knows it, and if Lauren doesn't know something, I probably know it, and if neither of us knows it, we know where to get it. And I, we've been so lucky with the Palladium. They, Paul, has said yes every step of the way, and knowing how dance doesn't always draw the audiences we wish it would to the theater. I don't know why. I have lots of theories about it. But he said yes every step of the way, and now we're into year three. And he keeps saying yes. So, <laughs> Well, he sees it as part of his mission yeah. to provide performing arts space mm-hmm. for local artists. And I think that's where our missions align because we are – even though we have brought in outside guests or choreographers, we started this last year. We do a 10-day to two-week artistic residency, and we try to get as big a cast as we can afford to pay <laughs> and create a new work. And one of the great things about being a dancer is, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice if you went to work every day and you got to dance every day, for even for 12 days in a row? <laughs> it's kind of like, wow. So that was an initiative that we started last year that I don't know that the audience understands how important that initiative is but certainly Lauren and I do to offer dancers who also work in the service industries at night or maybe dance three days a week instead of five like to give them an opportunity to be in a room honing their craft learning from a choreographer being among colleagues is an important thing there's the saying that for every day you're off it takes you two to get back so while we under I understand some of the principles of sports medicine and how our bodies heal 
And I get that you can't work seven days a week, 365 days a year. It might not seem like it makes a big difference, but if my arm is here, and no one's going to be able to see this, but if my arm is here, or if my arm is here, feels very different to me. And how do I calibrate even this versus this? How much do I rotate my hand? How Like, if I don't get to practice that all the time, my calibration gets off. And you don't sure. feel like yourself. You don't feel like the performer you are. It goes away. You lose that muscle memory. My connection to you would be hindered by I'm thinking about the physicality right. of something. So my my line of communication to you is slower. It's like my modem's slower. <laughs> or there's a clo- like a clog somewhere. Yeah. And it might look the same, but it's... You're, it's not going to resonate the same way. Martha Graham has also said, I, or so I've been told, I was never in the studio with her, but you're born to the instant. You're born in the instant. And that the only way you can do that is to practice your craft every day. And then every day it's new. And that new in that, in that instant connection way. That to me is very important. And I think visual artists, other artists, I think it's important to them too. It just doesn't manifest in, the, in a physical practice the way mine has to. It is, it is It is. that connection. It's that ability to keep communicating. And the minute that goes wrong, it can happen on stage. I mean, you can be next to a partner and you forgot to look over. Or, but if you are in that instant and you, are, you, you know where you are, then you can roll with the punches, I guess. Like, I've had crazy stuff happen on stage. I've had boxes fall over. I've had, I've had glass shards in my foot. I mean, I've yeah. had... <laughs> everyone has those crazy stories that they're like, I didn't feel it. And part of that is adrenaline because there is performance adrenaline and, and all of that. But, but part of it is you're so in the moment, you're just problem solving. Mm-hmm. You're just instantly problem solving mm-hmm. in that moment. And that keeps it fresh and alive and the audience will stay with you. They talk about being like working a performance. I love watching an actor or a dancer work a performance in the sense that they, you're with them and they're figuring it out and they're not making you nervous by doing that, but they're really working in that way. Mm-hmm. That to me is captivating, but you can't make that happen. Mm-hmm. Like anytime you try to like manifest that or like yeah. make that your end goal, it's you terrible. Can't that. It doesn't ever happen well. It ends no. badly. <laughs> no. When I came back to St. Pete, I think that I had, I don't know if it's a specific set of circumstances or it's just gumption or just like, I'm going to keep dancing. Like I wanted to keep dancing. How can I make opportunities? And I just, I think I joked about this yesterday. My worst nightmare is too many hours in the studio alone by myself. Like that's not fun at all because then you get heady and it's not the right, it just, it's. So how is I going to get other people involved and in, in, in how do I reach out to my community and what does that look like? But it also stemmed from, and this is something Lauren Sloan and I had talked about in creating Beacon, was that when we were children, big companies came to Mahaffey or Ruth Eggert Hall. And so we always thought you had to go somewhere else to be what you wanted to be. And I don't understand... I, I get it in a sense. I get the economics now that I'm older. I understand the economics behind that. But Lauren and I, we had dancer role models to look up to in the forms of teachers in regional companies, maybe in Orlando or in Miami. And, and in and out, there was like a Tampa Ballet when I was a kid. And But what I didn't understand is why would I love to do in a place that I love to live, I I couldn't have the two as a child. Like I had to go somewhere else to these centers, to New York or to Chicago. And I don't. I don't think that we should have to do that. I think if you want to be a a dancer and you love dancing, then make something happen. 
do some make figure out how to make that work whether it's one show a year or only gallery showings like figure out where to get the information and and that's where I come from like I my family is not a sit around family and my grandfather was always spearheading some cause so for me it just seemed makes a lot of sense like well I want to dance so go out and figure out how to do it and because I'm from here I think it made my job a little easier because I kind of knew some people to ask or I just said hey like would you be willing to take a chance on this or I have a really supportive family and so they'd be like well we can watch your kids so I didn't lose money by going to the studio that day because I didn't have to pay a babysitter I see collaborations and community building and growth of the arts they all have to go together and I so desperately want the performing arts to always be a part of that growth conversation but the only way that's going to keep happening is if we keep having performing artists here working making work, wanting to be here, and wanting to participate. I, I seek out many, many different ways to perform, whether it's in a gallery or... One of the most fun things I did was interpret a painting by Stephen Kenny for the Muse Awards when he won the Muse. And John Collins said, would you be willing to do this? And I was like, oh my gosh, it's a great painting, and it makes a lot of sense, and, and, and the pinnacle, and I get it. And So while I interpreted something of his... My hope is that there will be a visual artist that wants to work hand in hand and like how do we, how do they create a work while I'm creating a dance and how does that grow like simultaneously. That, uh, that opportunity will come eventually. I don't know how, but I'm um, sure I'll figure out a way. <laughs> I think you will. It's been just a wonderful conversation. Thanks, Thank Barbara. you so much for joining us, Helen Hansen French. Thank you. I really thought, I don't know what they would want to talk to me about. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Me too. I'm Barbara St. Clair, and you've been listening to Arts In, the Creative Pinellas podcast, sponsored in part by the Pinellas County Board of County Commissioners. Visit St. Petersburg Clearwater and the State of Florida Department of Cultural Affairs. Arts In is produced by Matt and Sheila Cowley. And if you're enjoying this program, we hope you'll take a moment to give us a review. It's easy to subscribe to on your favorite podcast service. You can find more conversations with visual, literary, and performing artists and in-depth arts journalism at creativepinellas.org. Thank you for listening.